How many have a friend in Jesus? Amen. Amen. We're glad to have such a friend this evening. Greet you all in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We'll take our Bibles and turn. If you have your Bibles with you to the book of John, chapter 10, this evening. I want to bring you greetings from the saints in Victoria, where we were uh, on the weekend, had a wonderful service with the saints there in Victoria. Brother Kyle, uh, Brother Anselm, all of the saints send their greetings uh, to the saints here, expressing their love and appreciation. And uh, so we, we just thank God. We had a wonderful meeting. The presence of the Lord was very, very real. Had some visitors. The Spirit of the Lord moved on the visitors, and they were up at the altar for prayer. And so, you know, we just thank God for that. We're so glad for what's taking place over there in Victoria. You know, if we would just focus on what God's doing and surrender ourselves to that, everything else just fades into the background. And that's what we want, how we want to be in our lives. You know, this is a great age of distraction. I can start preaching from here. <laughs> this is a great age of distraction that we're living in. Let the distractions fall by the wayside. We've come to commune with our friend, the Lord Jesus Christ, this evening. And I want to say tonight, uh, f- just fresh off the press, just got them in yesterday, or some of them in yesterday. We don't have them all in yet, but we have them available for you. The latest update from the Believer's Faith Challenge report, and you'll want to update yourself. In here is the latest uh, update on Uganda and Ethiopia, and it's, it's just our shorter virgin, version that we release in the spring. And uh, there's a wonderful testimony from China in here and different things. I won't share them with you, but they're on the back table by the office and you can grab one on your way out tonight. That'll be a blessing to you, I am sure. Amen. How many came to commune with the Lord tonight? Amen. Let's bow our heads together before we read the scriptures. Wonderful Heavenly Father. Lord, in this week in this age of such busyness, Lord, such pressure and such uh, uh, inflowing of distraction all around the bride, we're so thankful, Lord, that we could gather in tonight. We have not come to do anything, Lord, but to sit at your feet and hear afresh the words of eternal life. You alone have those words, O God. We have nowhere else to go. And we know that you are gathered in our midst, and we don't want to miss what the Spirit is speaking to the church. We don't want to miss, Lord, what you have to say to us individually. For to know you is life. And Lord, we just invite you to have the preeminence tonight. Father, we surrender ourselves to you. We just yield everything that we are, both the speaker and the hearer. And the Lord, you might take the preeminence in this service. May the word go forth in power and in demonstration. And Lord, may you receive all the glory, whether it be here, whether it be out over the internet, whether it be somebody watching the service in the day ahead. May it meet the cause for which your word was sent. And Lord, we give ourselves to you for that purpose and ask your blessing on the reading and the speaking of your word in Jesus Christ's name. Amen, amen. and amen. Just before we read, I have an announcement. There's a, a slate blue Honda Civic 
HM602F, your lights are on. So you can do, take care of that. John chapter 10, and I want to read a couple of scriptures here. Let's read from verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And then over in Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter of the Bible. In verse 17 it says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Amen. Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may be seated. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and more abundantly. And I was pondering this thought for a while, ministered on it in Victoria on Sunday and and, but still pondering it. And anytime you spend time in the Word, the Word is eternal. And the Word is infinite. And it just goes deeper and it goes deeper. And you can spend a lot of time on just one Scripture and let the Lord take your thoughts into the eternal realms of the depths of the mysteries of God because we're living in a privileged age when all the mystery of God is finished. Are you here tonight? You're living under a privileged message. You're living under an anointed voice. You've been called to an hour that every saint down through the ages wishes they were living in, the culmination of the redemptive purpose of God. And because of that, we look into the Word of God and say, this mystery is no longer a mystery. These things are revealed. These things are made known. And, and the, very, the very thought of what life is, as Jesus was expressing here, I am come, there's a thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I, I'm thinking about under the fourth seal, how when the fourth seal was broken, the one that rode on the pale horse, his name was called death. And hell followed after him. And he has a purpose. And a purpose is to kill. A purpose is to steal. A purpose is to destroy. And he's, and he's painted all of these things up in a marvelous look in this age that we're living in. Uh, a marvelous age of entertainments. Uh, age of sports. Age of education. Age of science. Age of medicine. Age of so many things that flow from the tree of life. But it all has a name. It's under an anointing in this hour of a pale horse rider, and that anointing has a name, and it's called death. And it, people look for, are looking in the, in the midst of these things, but the deeper they dig, the closer they get to death. But Jesus says, I am come 
Amen. Revelation chapter 10, I am come with the book open now. The book has been, the seals have been broken and the word has been restored and the full word of God, the word of God has come into full effect now so that we could say we could have life in this age of death and not just have life, but have it more abundantly. Life. I was thinking about an article I read this morning about a young girl in Europe that took her life because she had been abused at a young age and she was tormented in her mind. And, and uh, uh, they were saying that some psychologists said it was all right for her to take her life. I don't know whether that is true. Sometimes you can't believe everything you read. And you have to be careful when you read the news articles what the reality is. But she had lost her hope in life. And she had become scarred, she had become depressed, and she could find no hope in the tree of knowledge. But let me say, in this age where there is no hope out there, there is hope here. That the devil will come to any young mind and say there's no hope, but Jesus has come and said there is hope. Jesus has come and said, I have come that you might have life. Not just have life, but that you might have it more abundantly. That you could learn the true meaning of life. He alone has the words of eternal life. I was looking at this this thought abundantly and how that Jesus expressed uh, that they might have it more abundantly. You know, a lot of people in life are are glass half full people. And some people are glass half empty people. You know, that's the way they look at life. A lot of people say, well, the glass is half full. They're kind of a positive person. And other people say, well, you know, the glass is half empty. And, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, it's not quite, it's the same thing. But one looks at it from one direction and one looks at it from another direction. But now Jesus says, I've come that you might have it more abundantly in the word abundantly there means in one version I was reading it says to the full not half full that you might have life half full no I have come that you might have life to the fullest matter of fact it even means more than that it's, it means that I am come that you might have life that is overflowing oh my and I was thinking about a glass of water and I, I was thinking about bringing a, a bottle out here can I borrow your little bottle there, Brother Biscoe? I won't use too much, no. <laughs> and you know, we have a glass, and the glass is almost full. And, and, and you know, Jesus comes though, so that you can have a full glass, all right? But he comes even that you might have more than a full glass. He comes that you might have a glass that's overflowing, that's running over, that you can have more than your portion. You say, oh, Brother Tim, it's full, stop. No, he says you can have more than that. Amen, you can have an overflowing glass. Excuse me while I drink from the overflowing glass. I am come that you might have life, not just full, but that you might have it overflowing. That you might have more than you even think you might have need of. Hallelujah. 
I am come that, that it will overflow your cup. We, we sing the song, here's my cup, Lord, I lift it up. All right, I'm here. Are you ready for what God has for you? Did you come to Wednesday night service ready for what God has to give you? You say, well, Lord, my cup is half empty. You know, just give me a little bit tonight. No, I've come to overflow you. I've come on a Wednesday night service to overflow you. I come on Sunday to overflow you. I come on Thursday to overflow you. I come in the morning to overflow you. I'm here at noon to overflow you. I'm here in the evening to overflow you. It doesn't matter when you feel like my cup is half empty. I have come that you might be overflowed. Amen. What a statement the Lord Jesus is making here. Beyond what is necessary. Well, you know, I only need so much. No, I'm going to give you more than you need. More than what is necessary. A super abundance of life. The psalmist writes, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Amen. That's why we come on a Wednesday night. Get me out of the world. Get me away from the, what's in the supermarkets, what's on the job, what's, what's where at school, whatever more it might be. I am come tonight to be in the presence of the Lord, because in his presence there's fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Oh, let me come to the place of his power. Let me come to the place of his authority. Let me come to that position of his right hand where all power and all authority has been given unto the bride of Jesus Christ. The open book has been put into her hand and to her is given everything she has need of and then some. Praise the Lord. We say, you have everything you have need of. I want to tell you, you have more than you have need of. Hallelujah. You can, you can shout, you can sing, you can dance, you can say amen, you can do whatever you want. That won't offend me. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. These pleasures are not fleshly pleasures. They're not meant to satisfy the flesh. You know, the Bible says in the last days that God will send a strong delusion on the earth and people will believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. There's lots of unrighteousness out there and there's lots of people seeking pleasure in that place. That's not where I'm looking for pleasure. There's no satisfying portion out there. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, In the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, and lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. It's not talking about that there isn't pleasure in God. It's just saying they have pleasure in unrighteousness. They're desiring the lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. They've got their pride days, pride of this, pride of that. But I'll tell you what, the bride is in humility. 
Amen. It's, it's the way up is down. And we come in humility because the Lord is hidden in simplicity, revealed in humility, makes himself known only in that way in our life. Life. I am come that they might have life. We might say, what is life then? I'm not come that they might have more fleshly life. What is life? But really, what is life is not the question. A better question is, where is life? If you know where is life, then you know where to go to get life. In 1 John 5, it says, this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Can you say amen to that? There's the only way to get life. Brother Branham preached a message life in several different places. But in 1957, you excuse me if I go a little bit lengthy on this quote because uh, he covers so much ground here I just, in just a few uh, pages, and I'll just hit the highlights if you just stay with me. And he said, David screamed out and says, Oh, thy loving kindness is better to me than life. Now, life, everyone wants to think of life. The word life has a perverted aspect to it because that even life itself has a perverted aspect. And many times people want to refer to life as having a big time, drinking, uh, and riling, that's, that's the word that's printed here, and going out, and they say, this is life. How mistaken they are. That's death. He talked about being in a hotel in Canada where there was some young women that were partying, and he saw these women in the hallway running around barely clothed and drinking and going from uh, room to room, and he looked at it, the situation, and said, oh God, will my little Rebecca or Sarah ever come to that? And they staggered across the floor, and I just stepped into one side, and they passed, and he says, I walked out, went the other way, and I stopped at the end of the hall and looked down again and seen those lovely little ladies, which could probably have been a sweetheart to some man, and I heard one of them say, whoopee, this is life. And I thought, how wrong that is. That's death. The Bible said, she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she's alive. My, we see such signs today. And he says, signs that say, where there's Budweiser, there's life. And he says, Another place, another sign says life begins when the sun goes down. He says, no, death begins when the sun goes down. He says, where there's Budweiser, it is death, he says. And he says, the people, they become night prowlers and they take on the nature of evil. Evil always prowls at night. He says, I read an article in a magazine about it was about Hollywood, and it said that life begins after midnight, and they had a picture of burlesque and so forth that goes on, and I said, how perverted that is. You see, if Satan has a kingdom, 
I want you to watch this now. He's got to have a false economy. He's got to have something that he can present to them to make them think they are living. And now more than ever through social media, through the news sites, through some kind of uh, uh, site where they can maybe look at pictures of some actors or some sports heroes or some something and think, well, well, that's life. And Brother Branham says that's a false economy. That's a false representation because you don't know the sorrow that's really in their mind. And when they lay their head on the pillow at night, they got nobody to talk to. They don't have a friend called Jesus Christ. They don't have somebody that watches over them. They don't have somebody that says, I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But the devil whose name is death, riding out on the pale horses, riding out in this age to deceive and say, come and partake of the sports. Come and partake of the Hollywood. Come and partake of the, uh, of the partying. Come and partake of these drugs. Come and partake of these, this immorality. Come and partake of these perversions because that's living. But really his name is death. And it's just a perversion that will try and grab the minds of the young people and cause them to look at something. And then the devil's whispering to them, that's life. Why don't you take it? That's life. But it's not life. It's death in disguise. It's a false economy. And Brother Branham was dealing with the subject of life here. He says how perverted it is. He's got a false economy, something he could present to them to make them think they're living, but it's absolutely on the vice versa side. It's death in the form of life. He says, let us settle our minds now once and forever. There's only one way to have life, and to know him is life. Oh, is that all the believers we got here tonight? To know him is life. I say amen. To know him is life. That's the only way we can have life. There's no other way for God has only promised life through Jesus Christ. Not just to recognize him as a good person. Not just worship him as he would be a God, which he is the God. I want you to notice what Brother Brown is saying here now. He says, but the thing to do is to know him. That's it. Not to worship him. But to know him is life. All right? So so now what is he saying here? It's not going to church. But we go to church because we know him. And if you're here tonight and you don't know him, I would that you would know him before the service is over. Because he's here. And you just need to open your heart and say, Lord Jesus, they say you're here. Reveal yourself to me. Make yourself known to me. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can come to your address. He can come right to your pew. He can come right to your thoughts. He can give you exactly what you have need of tonight. Exactly what you have need of. That you might know him and that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He says, the devils worshiped him. Every knee shall bow to him. 
but to know him in the pardoning of your sins and the renewing of your life by his spirit, that great fountain of all resource of goodness dwelling in you, God making you bring the fruits of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, gentleness, patience, faith, all those attributes which come from God alone, that's the only way to have life. All right, now we'll stop here for a moment. There's more here. But we'll stop just at this point. Because the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. That's what Brother Brown's talking about. To know Him and the Holy Spirit in you bringing forth these fruits. You see, that's what every man, every woman desires. Love, joy, Peace. That's what they're looking for in sports. All right? Joy. Peace. That's what they're looking for in education. That's what they're looking for in their parties. They're trying to find some love, some kind of satisfaction. You know, that's what the woman at the well was looking for. When she, when, when Jesus came and said, and, and he, you know, she said, she goes to the well and she sees this Jewish man, in her eyes a Jewish man. He wasn't Jewish, he was God, but he looked Jewish. And so she, she comes to the well and, you know, she's, she's scarred up. She's got a past. She's had many relationships with many men and none of them have satisfied. Now go back in her thinking just a moment. Let's just go back a moment to before this scene. And when she was a young woman and met the first one. This is the one. He's going to treat me right. This is going to be the one that, that, that's going to be the answer to all of my problems. This, in this relationship, I'm going to find some peace. I'm going to find some joy. Hello? I'm going to find some love. I'm going to find some satisfaction. That's what she was looking for. And so she, she goes, that one, and that relationship falls apart. And she leaves that one and moves to another one. Oh, this is the one. And that one falls apart. And another one. Maybe one beat her. Maybe one verbally abused her. Maybe one disrespected her. Maybe one wasn't faithful to her. We don't know exactly what all the situations were. As Jesus said, you had five husbands. But now she comes to the well and she's scarred. She's chafed. She's been through experiences that she it might say she's lost all hope. The Samaritans can't do anything for her. She's got, a, she's got, in her mind, she's got some religious teaching because it starts to come out in her conversation. And she, so she's been to some kind of a religious instruction. The churches don't have anything to offer her. The, the priests can't do anything for her. Nobody's doing anything for her. And, and the Jews, she's got kind of a chip on her shoulder about Jews. Because now she comes to the well and Jesus says, bring me a drink of water. And she as much as says, Oh, yeah, you Jews won't have nothing to do with us Samaritans. And now you want me to bring you a drink of water. She as much as says that. She's saying, you know, well, you Jews don't have any dealings with Samaritans. And how is it that you're talking to me and all those kind of things? What she's saying is that, you know, I, I really don't care. And Jesus just turns it right around and says to her, but if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink of water, actually. Hallelujah. Here's a woman that says, there's no hope for me. 
There's nothing anymore that I have in life worth living for. I've had five, and the one I'm living with now is not my husband, and I'm just going out here putting in time day by day. doesn't seem like there's any hope for me, and she comes to the well, and this man begins to speak to her. It says, if you really knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. You don't have anything to draw with. The well, the well is deep, and, and, and uh, how would you give me any water? He says, the water that I give. If I give you water, you will never be thirsty ever again. Amen. She's looking at a life-giving resource of natural water, bringing forth natural life. But he says, I'll give you supernatural water that will bring forth a supernatural life. Because in her was a predestinated seed that the light of the hour was sent to light that seed. It doesn't matter how scarred she was. Hello. It didn't matter how far gone she was. It didn't matter how chafed she was. It didn't matter how disappointed she was. It didn't matter how hopeless she was. The light was coming to the seed. Glory to God. What a message. I am come that you might have life. She was dead. Oh, turn with, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. What a statement in Ezekiel 37 here. I was reading it today. The hand of the Lord was upon me, carried me out to the, in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were many, very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these dry bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. And again, and again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, and I'll paraphrase here, hear the words of eternal life. Hear the word of the Lord. Amen. You must prophesy, Ezekiel. God said in, in Revelation chapter 10, that Christ come in this hour with the book open, that you might go to him and take the book and eat the book. But you must eat the book to prophesy again, because you have received the words of eternal life. This message is the words of eternal life for this hour. It's the only source of life. It's Christ himself revealing himself in the open book that we might live. Let's jump down here. He says, so I, verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded and breath came into them and they lived and stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army. And he said unto me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off in our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves. Amen. I will cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. If this is what the words of eternal life did through Ezekiel, this is what the words of eternal life do to you. 
that came through Brother Branham, and when the words of eternal life that you've received, you must prophesy again after eating the book, and when you speak words of eternal life, it will bring every predestinated seed out of their grave. Words of life. I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Brother Branham says, so the word life has been misinterpreted to us. What we call life. Someone will get a new car. They'll go down the road. They'll just whiz maybe with a drink in, in them and their arm around a girl and a young fellow say, this is life. Sounds like a commercial that they show on television or YouTube or something. You know, you got to watch what you're watching on YouTube. Of course, nobody here watches YouTube. That's where I watch news clips. I'll pick up some news subject and find out, oh, what, what are they saying on the news? And then they got some advertisement with it. And what's worse is then they offer you some other clips. And those other clips want to take you down a road. And they want to take you somewhere you don't want to go. Because they're not taking you to the tree of life. They're taking you to the tree of knowledge. Young people, watch what you're watching. Watch what you're reading. It's the devil misrepresenting life. It's not life. It's death. And here Brother Branham says the devil's representing this, a new car, a guy with a girl, a drink in him. He says this is life. He says the young lady with her choice boyfriend, she's got a drink or two and she'll say this is life. Or maybe a man who's always wanted lots of money and all of a sudden he falls heir to a great amount of money. He'll build a great home. He'll get the finest of a car. He'll scream this is life. Some poor little washwoman with her baby, she'll get a trip to Hollywood and she'll become a queen for a day on some program or some of those things or win some portion of goods. It'll thrill her to a place where she'll say, this is life, but how perverted it is. He says, that's death and those will perish who have it. Give me John chapter 10. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. Give me those words. Give me that message of eternal life. You know, Moses, who knew what it was to choose, the Bible says he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You see, he, he had a gift even before he met the pillar of fire that he knew that's not life. All of Egypt, everything that it has to offer, believe me, I don't even know why I'm preaching on this tonight. This is just something that the Lord put on my heart today. Maybe it's for one person here tonight. Maybe it's for one person that'll watch out on the internet that the devil's trying to tell them that's life. That's not life. Moses looked at Egypt, which was like a, a not modern United States. that had all of the pleasures of Egypt before him, had all the money, all the access, all the power, everything that he wanted. He could have anything that he wanted. He says, I don't want it. I see the phoniness of it. 
I see the false economy of it. I see the lie in all of it. He says, I'd rather suffer with these mud daubers. I'd rather suffer with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He says, I don't want to satisfy my flesh. I got to satisfy this deep calling. There's something in me that says, these are my people. It tells me these are God's people. And I want to be with them. They might be the despised of the world. They might be the offscouring of the world. The world might think they're not. What are they doing on a Wednesday night sitting in church? They're communing with their best friend. That has come that we might have life. I'm here for you, Lord Jesus. I'm not here for the preacher. Amen. I'm not here for the deacons. Uh, They're good deacons. They're good preachers. I'm not here for the song leader. They're good song leaders. I'm not here for the music. It's good music. But I'm here for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm here for you. I haven't got anywhere else. It killed me to miss Wednesday night. Was it last week or two weeks ago? I wasn't here because my nose was running. And it wouldn't stop running. I thought, well, I don't want to sit on the pulpit and blow my nose every two minutes, sit on the platform and distract everybody. And then I don't want to sit in the congregation and everybody go, well, now, why isn't he on the platform? And I thought, well, I'll just sit at home. I sent my wife to church, and I said, you go and you enjoy it. And I said, I'll just, I'll just watch it on the Internet. Thank you. It was, I think Brother John was preaching. It was, it was good. And, 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 you know, but I, I just, just about killed me not to be in church, not because it's a ritual, not because it's something, but I know I want to go for the Lord. There's lots of churches where the Lord is not there because they're not gathered in his name. But here we have gathered in his name. We have come together, brought together the licks of fire and say, Lord, you're here. I want to get something out of the service. Lord, take the preacher into the depths of the word till he meets the exact need that I have. When I, when I heard the first song that Brother Derek was inspired to sing tonight, I thought, okay, we're in the right channel. You know, we're just right in the right vein about the fountain. Have you come to the fountain? And that's where we are tonight because Jesus said, if you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. And the woman was there and she thought, what about all this? Uh, I don't, you know, okay, give me this water. Okay, I'll take it. Give me this water. She's still thinking of natural life. She's in the presence of eternal life, and she's still thinking of natural life. Don't think about the scripture, I'm come that you might have life as just natural life. I'm not come just to bless you in the natural. You see, there are things that Adam lost that I've come to bring you back to. There's things that are in your inheritance that I've come to give you access to. There's things that you were predestinated to be a part of that I've come to bring you to. I've come that you might have life, the life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I've come to give you the life. In the Father was eternal life, and he had determined to put eternal life in the Son, and the Son is determined to put eternal life in you. All that was in God, he poured into Christ. All that was in Christ, he pours into the church. That the Christ, that Christ and the church can become one as husband and wife. The word of God in the fullness of the measure of its manifestation. It's not some pitiful, petty, childish, earthly form of life. It's eternal life. 
I'll tell you what, this, this last days of death and Satan's Eden is getting so overwhelming to me, I don't even want to go out there. I feel sorry for my wife. She's, she left, I see, already. Wasn't enjoying it. No, she just took Gideon out. Praise the Lord. Children are wonderful. You know, sister said to my wife, she, or said to somebody, she said, oh, Gideon's cute. Or Gideon, he looks like his dad. You know, and then she says, oh, I take that back. He's cute. And, uh, you know, children have a way of just bringing out certain things in people. And, but you know what? I, I feel sorry for my wife because I don't want to go out there. I don't want to go to worldly events. I'm sorry. It used to, it used to entice me. Go to a hockey game. Go to a, a, some kind of event, some kind of a, a, I don't know, presentation or something, or some kind of a historical thing or something, and that's all wonderful. But I, I'm losing my appetite for those things. I don't want to become a hermit, but the more the devil gets expressed in the age, this age, the less I want of it. I'm glad for our young people doing what they're doing. I'm glad for, I think they've got some kind of a concert coming right up here at the school. And I'll put a plug into the school. I'm sure it'll be good to have godly young people play their music and whatever more it might be. It might be worthwhile to listen to. But what's out there in the world, I don't want it. That's not life. It doesn't entice me anymore. And I'm losing my appetite. And that's why I say I feel sorry for my wife because she's like, he doesn't take me anywhere. <laughs> I have to kind of put in the effort sometimes. Let's go for dinner. You know, it's good for a husband to do that. Amen, husbands? Yeah. Take the wife out. Show her a good time. Show her you appreciate her. We just had our fifth anniversary. I'm so appreciative of five wonderful years by the grace of God. But you know what's out there isn't life. What's on the internet isn't life. What the world has to offer isn't life. I'll tell you what, what's here is life. The rest of it just doesn't satisfy. I hope that's okay. We've come to a great showdown of God's life versus Satan's death. The mystery of God revealed, the mystery of life revealed, the mystery of love revealed. And Satan, on the other hand, he just impersonating things to attract attention. But the words of life, as Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Lord, take me there. Let me be a part of that. When the words of life come forth, let me be a partaker, not a resistor, not someone that says, well, that's not the way I see it. But Lord, let me just be a partaker of eternal life. You know, the Bible says in, in Luke, when the seed was sown, it says, the, Jesus said, that which fell among thorns are they which when they heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. 
But Paul writes to the church in the Ephesians. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of God, the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. I say, amen, Lord. Fill me with the fullness of God. Fill me more abundantly. Fill me more overflowing than I've ever been overflowed before. Then it not be an overflowing of emotion or an overflowing of, of self-presentation or, or some kind of something of intellect, but let it be just an outpouring or a stimulation, I'll say, that comes by true revelation down in the soul realm. It comes by a reality of that personal relationship with God. You know, it's not about what you know. It's that personal relationship. When Brother Branham said, and, and it's true, if you read a scripture and you don't see Christ in it, read it again. He's not talking about understanding how it all fits and connects back to Jesus Christ. That's not what he's talking about. But if you can't see your friend expressed in that scripture, if you can't see the love that's written between the lines, if you can't see God expressing himself in Jesus Christ, the word to you personally, you're missing something. Maybe your relationship gets a little bit cold. You, you don't have the communication that you should have as a bride to the bridegroom like there should be in the home between husband and wife. And that's often where it breaks down, where people are sitting together and, and visiting together. We've even tried to make an, uh, a little bit more of an effort in our own home to put away the electronic devices and, and just communicate a little bit more. And, you know, not everybody's sitting in the same room being alone together. Somebody preached on that recently. And, uh, you know, everybody got their device out. Everybody off somewhere in their device through the Internet, you know, going out somewhere. Lord, protect us from those things. Give me the more abundant life. Amen. Give me the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, all of those things of the fruit that's unchoked by the things of the world. Hallelujah. You know, when people look at, at going to church, as I said, this is the center. Our relationship with him is the center of our joy, but other people might look at the disruption to their schedule. You know, getting the children ready, coming home late from work and, and uh, you know, just barely able to make it. Somebody said last Wednesday night, I can't remember who it was, but they said, I, I got home late. Oh, I think I know who it was. He said, we got into church. It was one of the deacons was telling me. He says he was working late and, and they got barely to church and they got here, but he says, but let's go anyway. 
And they, they got to church, and, and it was like 10 after 8 or something like that last Wednesday when Brother Tim Ashong was preaching. Wasn't that a wonderful service? And, uh, you know, just the presence of the Lord was mighty. And they, and they got in. So they missed half the service. Quarter after 8, you're, you're 45 minutes in and about 45 minutes from the end. But they got here. And they said, oh, it was worth it all. It was worth it to be there. Had to drag ourselves in. The day was busy and often that's the way it is Wednesday night. But we have a friend in Jesus. And that's where the real life is. The life isn't in the job. Amen. The life isn't in the the things that take us busy all day. Maybe we got to go to school and take the bus home and going to university and all those kind of things. Get to where Jesus is. Because he who has the Son has life, and he who has not the Son hath not life. Oh my, give me that life. Fill me with that life. Overflow me with that life. Let it be that life and more abundantly. Let it be the center of my existence that all I want is God every day. Listen, I'm human just like you are. I don't sit at home every day on the mountaintop. You know, believers have mountains and valleys. You know, and when you're on the mountaintop, you know, I, I'm always amazed that some people, their mountaintops are real high and their valleys are not real low. And I'm always, I wish that was the way my makeup was. But we can't judge God by our physical, natural, mental makeup. But we know where the resource is. In Him is life. In Him is a resource. And though you might be come up to a mountaintop and you might be going down the other side of the mountain and maybe you've been there before and say, well, I've been low before. Well, don't, you don't have to go all the way down into the depths of your natural existence. Just run to the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay in him. Be filled with him. Be refilled with him. Be re-refilled with him. Until you have nothing but life every day knowing that he's your source of strength. Because we're living in the most evil age there is. Not just like the days of Sodom, but also like the days of Noah. All of the evil, all the deceivableness of unrighteousness poured into this age. The devil with every trick that he's ever learned against humanity, now coming against us with everything he's got, trying to stop the plan of God, but he won't stop it. Because you're a predestinated seed, and all God's trying to do is take this fountain of life and wash you of your spiritual amnesia, wash you in the water of the Word, because the fountain of life comes from the rock. And the rock was smitten at Calvary. Hallelujah. And the rock has only been smitten wife once, rather. The rock has only been smitten once, and the water flows from it forevermore. And all you got to do is come to this water. In every age, the message coming forth into the age is a part of that fountain. Because the fountain is the revelation of the word to you personally. And it flows into every age. And that's why the Bible says in the back of the book, the spirit and the bride say, come. Come to the fountain. Come and drink of this water. Oh, this which we are rejoicing in, you need to drink of it. Don't drink of my joy. Drink of his fountain. He's the rock that was smitten. He's the water of life. He alone has the words of life. He's the fountain of all resource that a believer can plunge into that fountain and be filled. 
hallelujah, can walk every day knowing, knowing that I'm a son of God. Knowing that I'm walking in the same rights that Adam walked with. That's the fountain I'm living in. That's the river I'm partaking of. That's the well of water that's springing up within me. It's not telling me about my mistakes. You know, the well of water will never tell you about your mistakes. It will tell you about the abundance of the water. Are you enjoying this revelation? There's more. Are you enjoying this water? It keeps springing up. It didn't say, and, you know, the water that I give you, it'll be teaspoon upon teaspoon. It'll be drip by drip. No, it'll be a well of water springing up within you. Revelation upon revelation. You get into the Word. You feed on the Word. Oh, my, there's a revelation in this Word. And then with that, that's good for a day, but there's more for tomorrow. And there's more for the day after that. Because I am made in the image of God. I am a son of God. I have a right to the open book. It was redeemed for me. And I'm part of the bride that was commissioned to eat the book. And to prophesy again. And that prophecy will bring forth every predestinated seed from their grave. All the hopeless that said, there's no hope for me no more. There's hope for you. I don't care who you are. There's hope for you. Oh, Brother Tim, you don't know what happened in my life. There's hope for you. If there was hope for woman at the woman at the well, there's hope for you. If there was a hope for Zacchaeus, there's a hope for you. If there was a hope for a woman that washed his feet, there's hope for you. Amen. He is your hope. He is your joy. He is your peace. He's the fountain. I got to keep saying it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'll keep rejoicing until you rejoice with me. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Amen, Brother Sam. He's everything that we have need of. He's our mother. He's our father. He's our sister. He's our brother. Oh, my. He's our joy. He's the pep in our step. Well, that's somebody saying from somewhere. <laughs> he's everything within us, you know, that just causes us to get up in the morning. The devil comes around, he says, you don't want to spend today. No, I'm a son of God. Devil comes around and tells you, oh, listen, you done made a mistake. Really, what you need to do is go and commit suicide. Nonsense. Oh, what you got to do today is you got to go and abuse somebody. Look at what somebody said about you. You ought to go give them a piece of your mind. Nonsense. I'm a son of God. And there's a well welling up within me. I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to overcome this age. Why? Because the word has come to me personally. He's come to my experience at the well. (laughs) The devil brought her to the well and said, your life ain't worth living. And Jesus said, I've got life for you to have and more abundantly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go get your husband. I I don't have a husband. He says, you've told the truth. And basically says, you've made a lot of mistakes. You've had five husbands. And the one you're living with now is not your husband. He didn't condemn her. He was just telling her, I know about your past and it doesn't matter. Hallelujah. I know what you've been through. I'm God. I know everything about you, and it doesn't matter. I am come that you might have life. 
I am come that you might have abundant life. I am come that you might have overflowing life. I am come that you might recognize you're not of this world. You're of another kingdom. You're in this age, but you're being pulled out and put into a bride age because you're the bride of Jesus Christ. I'm bringing my quickening power by your way that you might have life, that you might have what Adam lost. I'm not talking about the world. I'm not, you might never have houses. You might never have lands. You might never have money. You might never have prosperity in this world. You might not have anything, but I'll tell you what, what I've got to give you, God says, is way more than this world can ever offer you. Give me this water, she says. Hallelujah. Give me this life. Oh, she starts to debate with him about spiritual things. Oh, you know, you Jews worship in Jerusalem. We worship in this mountain. And, and, you know, everybody's got their own way of worship. Jesus says, forget about your own way of worship. Forget about the Jews' way of worship. Forget about everything else you've ever heard. Listen, if you don't eat this bread, you have no life in you. If you don't eat what I'm telling you, you've got nothing. They got, they got their Moses. They got their Bibles. They got their temple. They got everything there. He says, but the hour cometh and now is that they who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life, he said. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There's no other way to worship God. She says, sir, we know when the Messiah comes, he'll be a prophet. She says, I, he says, I am he that speaks to you. And then the disciples come on the scene. And they're not quickened yet by the same life. They're living under the light, but it hasn't yet, the Holy Ghost had not yet been given. And they're looking at it naturally. Why are you talking with this woman? There was a reason he had to prophesy. He had to speak to the hopeless to let them know these dry bones shall live. You shall come forth from the grave that the devil has dug for you. Don't pay any attention to circumstance. Don't listen to what the devil's trying to tell you. You can't do it. I'm here that you might have life. Hallelujah. The light has come to quicken the predestinated seed, and it brought light to that soul, and she left her water pot and run into the city. Come see a man that's told me all things. Is this not the very Messiah? Is this not the very one that has promised to take us back to where we ought to be? And I say, is this message not the final message? Is this not the words of eternal life? Is this not the well of water? Is this not the fountain that's flowing free, that's coming from the throne of God, that's bringing forth 12 manners of fruit? This is all of it. All the mystery of God, all the revelation of God revealed that you might come and drink from this fountain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thou alone, O Lord, has the words of eternal life. Let's stand together. The musicians come.
You alone have the words of eternal life. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God would be finished. I'll say it another way. The fountain would be fully open. What do you have need of? The fountain's open. What's, what are you missing in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? The fountain's open. It's not about meeting your natural needs, or, or, although he'll meet your natural needs. If you're sick, he'll heal you. All of those things are available in this fountain, but it's that and more abundantly. There's more in this relationship. There's a joy when it seems like all men are against you. There's nobody else that stands with you. There's a joy in knowing that you've got a friend and you can lift your head up to him and say, Lord, you're my friend. It doesn't matter if all else misunderstand me. I know you understand me. I know I've heard your voice. I know I've heard your call, and I know you're the one that's working everything out according to your perfect will. I know that all things work together for good to those that love you who you called according to your purpose. I'm persuaded that nothing can be against us, not height, depth, principality, power, tribulation, persecution, anything. Nothing can be against the elect. Matter of fact, the only thing we can say about these things if, is if he be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? Why don't you say that with me? If God be for us, who can be against us? Let's say it again. If God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. There is a river, key of F. There
you come for on a Wednesday night? What did you come to see? Did you come to put in time? Did you come just to be tickled in years? Or did you come to a river? I'll tell you, there is a river. There's a fountain open in the house of David. It's open for every son and daughter of God, for whatever you have need of. These are vast waters. These powers of God that have been loosed in the revelation of the word are beyond human comprehension. It's not just life, it's life more abundantly. What do you have need of tonight? Peace? Peace is in that river. You need joy? Joy is in that river. Long-suffering is in that river. Meekness is in that river. Amen. Love is in that river. You're not feeling love tonight? I'll tell you what, God loves you more than you're able to even understand. He sent Christ to Calvary. He redeemed the book. He opened the mystery. He sent a prophet. He vindicated a message that you might know that you're his personal bride. He loves you. And he said, all he wants to say is come to the river. The Spirit's saying, come to this fountain. As a member of the bride, I'm saying, come and drink freely. Come to the Word. Come to the words of life. Come to the fountain of life. Just say, well, what do I got to do, Brother Tim? Just lift your heart up to the Lord and say, Lord, take away every distraction tonight. Take away every fear. Take away every doubt, self-doubt, doubt of my past scars of my existence. Lord, I lay them at your feet tonight to drink from this fountain. Just do that tonight as we pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to the fountain. Oh, Jesus, you are that fountain. We come and lay ourselves at your feet as it were. Fill us. We say like the woman at the well, give us this water that will never run dry. Renew that fountain within us. Lord, there were kings out in the wilderness and your prophet took a message from that. They were looking for water. All they had to do was dig. Dig out the garbage, dig out the valley, make the valley full of ditches and let the water flow freely. The water was there, but there was stuff that was blocking up the water. And Lord, they had to pull it out. Lord, pull everything out of our lives until the water of life is flowing freely and abundantly within our lives. Lord, if there's somebody here sick tonight, may the waters of life flow to them tonight. There's somebody needy tonight, flow to them tonight, Lord. If there's somebody, oh God, that has a burden, they came in here burdened, may the waters flow under that burden and lift it off of their shoulders, Lord, we pray. We give each one into your hands. We thank you, Lord, for your grace in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the words of eternal life. Thank you for the bread of life. Thank you, Father, for the fountain of life. All come from you, Lord, that we might have life and more abundantly. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you. We just want to give ourselves afresh to you in this refreshing on a Wednesday night. We come to be refreshed. I trust, Lord, that everyone received a portion of the fountain tonight, oh God, to be refreshed 
in your presence. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. In his presence. Key of F. You know that song? You don't know it. I might sing a solo. There's fullness of joy. All right, I'm not going to sing a solo. <laughs> We're going to sing, There's a Fountain Open in the House of David. for a place of refreshing on Wednesday nights. Thank you, Lord. We can come together with saints of like precious faith and just be refreshed in his presence. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Turn around and shake hands with somebody. God bless you. The service is dismissed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.